0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 17 of Carlos Rios' All Ears. Today, you're listening to a conversation with Josh, my brother-in-law. Josh is a property tax attorney. Together with his business partner, he runs a private law firm in Dallas, Texas. We talk about his experience running a private firm, business negotiations, money management, family life, and much more. I personally really enjoy the conversation, and I learned a lot from it. So I hope that you do too. All right. Well, thanks for making time, Josh. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You're talking about, you know, if it's okay to, to take your time before answering questions, you know, and (laughs) I, I, I really leave this as raw as I can. Yeah, um, the only thing that I edit is, uh, I mean, unless there's like some crazy glitch in the conversation where I'm like, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Right. That kind of thing. <laughs> I don't really do-, do those kinds of edits. I mostly uh, Zoom gives me two separate tracks, one for your voice and one for my voice. And okay. I try to get the volume levels so that they kind of match. And, you know, if there's a very big noise floor, I'll try to remove that, suppress it a little bit just really basic post-production stuff but i don't really edit the conversation a whole lot unless you're like hey can we cut that off or whatever we can do that too
1: well i i asked you about pausing to consider my answer but that's Mm -hmm. you know i know that the people listening to the podcast will not be able to see the video and so they won't know if it's me pausing to think about my answer or pausing to take a drink of whiskey that's
0: right but <laughs> i mean that's what you were going <laughs> they can just assume
1: my, it takes me a while to think or they can assume i'm drinking either
2: way yeah
0: it is a little weird i know you listen to uh podcasts um uh, so i i remember this one time when you guys had your condo in austin and mm-hmm. we we went in there and you guys were cleaning getting it ready i think to put it on the market or something like that yes and uh you're blasting some kind of podcast i don't even know what it was but i remember that
1: one it was it was an episode of uh hardcore history by dan carlin talking Mm. about world war one because you're i remember that specific occasion and the kids were probably seven and eight something like that yeah. Yeah, and there was some question about whether all of that content was appropriate for. But obviously, there's a lot of tough content when you're talking about World War One. Yeah. And, and uh, history
0: in general, really.
1: Yeah, it was. It was graphic in some parts, but mm-hmm. it's okay. Yeah, I am a huge podcast consumer, so.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it it is a little it's weird cool. whenever you're listening to one of them, and then there's this like. So what do you think about this? And then there's this silence where, like, you're like, and then you like pull up your phone. And it's like, did it stop or what? Right, happened?
1: right,
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> or is an ad about to kick in? Like, what's going on? Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you have ads on your podcast?
0: Um, on this one, no, not yet. Okay. Um, so if if it grows to a some kind of size, I I might try to get some sponsorships right there's also the option of doing affiliate links but i don't want to bombard people with much of stuff right now Uh, i'm just trying to record conversations and see 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 how uh, sustainable it is because you know it takes some time to to do uh, and then and then i might try to do some sponsorships and and links and ask for donations and such
1: well it's easy for the interviewee I don't have to do any of the production work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The toughest thing is just responding to the text messages timely, <laughs>
0: right? Or uh, a lot of people I contact over uh, Facebook Messenger and things like that. And
1: oh, yeah, you would have been waiting a long time for a response from me. If, the... <laughs> if that's how I, re- I
0: might have reached out to you that way. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I don't remember. <laughs> Uh, i don't
1: use facebook much
0: yeah i was trying to do one uh meeting a week Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and i'm still doing one episode a week uh but i'm doing uh one solo episode and then um three or four depending on the month um interviews so most months is three interviews and then a solo episode. So it's I, I find that a lot more manageable because I was kind of starting to get stressed out trying to get people in. And I'm like, yeah. I don't need to be stressing out. I'm like, this is for fun. That's the reason why I'm doing it. And I don't want to be bothering people or pestering them either. I'll be like, hey, if you're cool, then cool. Let's let's do this. If if not, then you know, that's cool too.
2: Okay.
0: i I had a a friend who he's he's worked for apple for decades and he just retired um and he's one of our friends uh, he actually did some marriage counseling with katie and i he, he and his wife did and that's it it's pretty cool and they're good friends of ours and i asked him and he's like you know carlos i'm just really shy and i don't feel super comfortable doing that so he says pass i was like cool i mean that's that's uh i feel like uh I've, I've been reading a lot about sales and and about you know negotiation and things like that and when it comes to sales and negotiation it's like the second best answer you can get is no it's like first one's yet yes and then the second one's no it's like the worst place you want to be is like this kind of Im- limbo flying you're being strung along and you don't know if it's going to happen or not and yeah spending time and
1: you know when you're closing deals no is also a very good close Mm. as well Um, yeah probably uh, probably 10 percent of the time when dealing with the prospect you know after a few uh, minutes of conversation the for whatever reason, there are lots of good reasons for an, a professional relationship not to be the right fit, right? Um, and yeah. pretty quickly you reach the conclusion, this isn't someone I wanna work with or I don't think I'm gonna be able to satisfy this person. And so you just tell them no. And yeah. man, about half the time, they will not give up until you let them hire you it's <laughs> it's very interesting uh, how that no can work in yeah. uh, in a good way as well but yeah maybe is a pain because then it's well let's just do another meeting in a month and yeah let's just let's wait a wait a year and see how the results are wow mm.
2: it's
1: just let's just get on with it or, or not. Yeah. So I'm glad you asked me to be on It's, it's, this is probably, this is kind of sad, but I mean, I don't know that you and I have just sat down and talked for an hour in a couple of years, probably.
0: Yes. Yeah. I don't know that we've ever like just been by ourselves. Like, yeah. Unless it's just probably not. There's always family around those phelpses i was getting in the way
1: (laughs) not in the way not in the
0: way (laughs) talking talk about polarizing people no um (laughs) wow you said it not me of course we're doing uh, of course we are uh but yeah i know i you're definitely one of those people that i've always wanted to you know pick your brain and it's hard to find the right setting the right time and that's one one reason that I I felt motivated to do this podcast is because I like this kind of one-on-one intimate kind of situation, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to eventually do more in person. Um, maybe we, we could be sharing on that whiskey, you know, that kind of thing.
1: Do it, do it, it, right? it, yeah, <laughs> go tear into the tear into the whiskey library,
0: right. <laughs> Um, well, well, I I did an episode with Pops, and that one we did in person. There was no whiskey, but that was definitely in person, and, and that one was really fun. Uh, just being in the same room and just same same thing. I've gotten a lot more chances to chat with them, um, in person, you know, in trips and things like that. But it's still something special about just saying like, "Hey, we're making time, and this is what we're doing, and we're just gonna chat."
1: The I totally get what you're saying. Um, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I love mm-hmm. the Rangers. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: I, I'm showing him, I'm
1: showing Carlos right now that I'm wearing a, a Rangers shirt. Right. <laughs> um, and one of the things that is great about going to live baseball is just sitting down. You're hanging out with someone for three hours. Of course, you're watching the game. Of course, the Rangers are winning all the time. <laughs> But I mean, the bigger thing is you've made a commitment to hang out for three hours or so, and mm-hmm. there's lots of intervals for conversation. And yeah. so it's just as as much as I like going to watch the Rangers, it's just as fun to have a reason to grab guys and yeah. go to the game.
0: Well, it's a stress-free setting because go- mm-hmm. you're like, we're here to look at this thing over here, but there's... Right it's kind of more organic and free, you know, we just happen to yeah. chat. It's kind of like go, going to eat, you know, having a chat mm-hmm. with people over food. Oh, it's There's something magical about, you know, sharing a meal or even just yep. drinking some coffee, just yeah. chatting with people.
1: And the nice thing about baseball is if you find out you don't want to talk to that person, you'd be like, Hey, there's what's baseball going on. We need to be focused <laughs> on that.
0: You can do that with food. It's just like, I'm eating.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: So why don't you tell people a little a little bit about you? I mean, I do a brief intro about what you do and all okay. of that at the beginning, but, you know, just what are you about?
1: What motivates you? Sure. So I am an attorney. I'm licensed in Texas and my primary practice area is property tax on the property owner side. Mm-hmm. So at one point I did work on the government side. Um, Actually, before I was even licensed as an attorney, but found a lot more satisfaction working on the other side. And so I've been doing that for almost 20 years. Um, About 12 years ago, my partner and I left the the law firm where we were previously practicing and started our own firm. And so that has been, um, you know, a, a a good thing, and
2: yeah, there are great way. things
1: about being the boss, there are things that are tough about being the boss. Um, and you know, as a quick aside on that note, there was a sh- very short interval where I had my own law firm, and oh, really, I, I learned very quickly that I was not interested in practicing alone, mm. and so having a good partner has made all of that much easier and better so but that's what we've been doing for uh that's my day job and then we have other side hustles and stuff but
0: so right before your your partner and you got together 12 years ago there was a Mm -hmm. in-between time where you were by yourself yes you're saying okay Mm -hmm. how long did that last
1: it wasn't it wasn't long maybe maybe a year when i when I graduated from law school and first got my uh, bar admission, mm-hmm. there it was not a great time in the legal industry for hiring. Mm. And so, it, I mean, there were some options you could take a job that wasn't anything you wanted to do, uh, right? Or I wanted to do. And but another option was starting my own office. So I did that. And um, I mean, that's tough, but. Yeah. Okay. It led to some better things
2: down the road. So, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, 12 years you've been with your current partner. Seems like you guys uh-huh. are, you, uh, uh, you know, must have developed quite a friendship, and, you know, until then. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. We were very good friends when we worked together at the other firm.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so then, I mean, it's nice if your business partners are people who you also respect and can be friends with. I I don't know that that's a requirement necessarily, but it certainly makes everything better.
0: Right, right. I've told Katie before, you know, I'll rather work with someone that I don't like, but I know I can work with and we're going to get the work done than working with somebody that I like, but that I know they're lazy and, you know, they don't have good work ethic and all of that it's Mm -hmm. you know i i think we're team first and then friends and family i think they can arise as a consequence of encountering obstacles together and overcoming them and all of that and you can become really good friends as a consequence of working together towards a goal but i feel like whenever you go into a job and they're like well we're family first i'm like no if i like that
1: (laughs) yeah i mean we always have to Serve the client's interests and give them the best, the best results and the best service. And if we can do that and have a, a good, fun relationship, that's great. But we can't, we can't put the fun relationship
2: first. Yeah. So, how do
0: you end up doing law? What What made you decide to do that?
1: Uh, so, I was a, I did major in music. And pretty, not pretty early on, I guess two years in, I decided for a number of reasons that are not really relevant, that that wasn't something that I wanted to do. Trumpet
0: performance. Is that, is that what it
1: was? uh, I was, that was not my major. My major was new ed. And, but it was at a, it was at a school with a pretty big performance performance. Emphasis. Got it. And so, in fact, where I went to undergrad, this and this was not specific to the music education uh, degree program, but any degree program, teaching as a uh, or education as a degree program was such an afterthought that you had. They didn't have some classes that you needed to to have an education. <laughs> degree and so yeah. you had to take acting classes in the theater art school in order to uh, fulfill that requirement
0: that requirement Very yeah
1: so I I went in I think my thought was that I really enjoyed uh playing trumpet and but it would be good to have a, an education mm-hmm. degree as a backup plan Right. Right. If you're if you're there and you're it's a couple extra classes, then it would be uh, imprudent not to
2: mm-hmm.
1: go ahead and avail myself of the opportunity yeah. to get that additional certification.
2: Yeah.
1: But it, it wasn't it wasn't something that I wanted to do. So I, I switched to law for a couple of reasons. One, mm-hmm. um, just general interest, but two, it's one of the few. Graduate programs that has no prerequisites. So if I had wanted to go business school, um, I would have been at least a year behind in completing the prerequisites for that. Um, That was really the only other one that I looked at, and so yeah. And so I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to go backwards, and there are certain things about the. legal profession of course attention to detail and Mm -hmm. ability to drill down on things that uh really require the same skills that you have as a musician we've all spent eight hours in the practice room and (laughs) we've all really tried to hone in on uh blending as the ensemble or whatever you know there are you you know what i'm talking about there are mm-hmm, so many mm-hmm. little details that separate um music as an entertaining fun thing to do and yeah. producing music at the highest level
0: yeah well it's a technical uh, uh it's a craft as a
1: sure. sure so there's a lot of overlap with law uh, but but that was the that was one of the the primary things is it? An undergraduate degree in music did not seem to be any kind of hindrance. Uh, now, mm-hmm. if I wanted to go into IP law or something like that, of course, that music as an undergrad is not going to get that done. for Sure.
0: If you um, need it uh, uh, requires more uh, of expertise.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times those attorneys are folks with engineering undergrad mm. degrees. What, is, what or, does the IP stand for? IP is intellectual property. So they're dealing with oh, yeah. patents a lot. Um, That's really tricky, for uh, sure. Yeah. So you know, in talking to friends who deal with IP issues, a lot of what they do is 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 general law, but that specific practice area is
2: uh,
1: it, it attracts that. And I think there are also specific background requirements in order to sit for the patent bar um all that is far beyond me so i don't Mm -hmm. know but you know outside of a few really specialized things like that your undergraduate degree doesn't uh Mm -hmm. impede your progress
2: yeah
0: i have a friend who i'm hoping to get on the podcast uh he who got a law degree and as well and he, he was a classical guitar player. He's a good friend of mine. He pretty much anything that I wrote for classical guitar while I was at UT, he played it. So oh. yeah, it was pretty cool. Nice. And that was pretty much everything that I wrote a <laughs> classical guitar. <in> it. <laughs> uh, probably 80% of what I wrote. Uh, so it was cool. He, he's a good friend and I, I'm going to try to have him over, but he's trying to figure out, uh, if he's going he's gonna to be able to do it. He works at an AG's office. Um, uh, And he's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to for, you know, this reason or that reason. And so we're going to try to figure it out.
1: Does he work? uh, Is he down in Texas? Yeah.
2: Okay. Mm
1: -hmm. One of my good friends from law school started out at the AG's office. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, he's gone and had a great career. Uh, although not no longer at the AG's office, mm. so.
2: Well, very cool. So,
0: whenever you were thinking about doing music, you said that the education portion was more of a backup. Well, what was what was uh, plan one then? Plan A. Uh,
1: I think uh, symphony musician. Mm. and as the core income and then teaching on the side mm. so how
0: did your I, how do your parents feel about that
1: about me being a going going to college to be a professional musician yeah oh they were fine with it they're I cool mean, with
2: that. yeah yeah
1: I think um you know one thing that high school musicianship is very good at is teaching you or giving, giving you a forum in which you can learn to succeed. Right. I think there's, there is a real problem with that, uh, because success is addictive, addictive, and Mm -hmm. everybody likes winning. You find something you're good at. You want to stick with that. I think one problem with that is, uh, you don't necessarily look at that in a very objective way when evaluating that as a career path mm-hmm. when you were in the throes of that success. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think they were happy that I was doing something that I enjoyed and yeah, it, it wasn't dealing drugs. So it's <laughs> good, right? It's
0: good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> could get be into pharma pharma industry um i do know when i was back in in mexico when i was in high school uh so i i was 15 going 16 when we moved to the u.s and um in mexico public school there's this really weird way in which they do school which there's a the regular morning classes, and then there's the ev- evening classes. So for whatever reason, some kids end up going to the morning and some go the, the vast majority, and then some go to the evening classes. And what ends up happening is that those evening schooling hours are terrible. The teachers don't care, the students don't care and i somehow got stuck going to the evening classes for high school and i was like i need to change to the morning and this isn't this isn't working out but that was uh i only did that for about a year and then we we moved to to the us but it was pretty pretty wild uh being in the in the evening classes i mean you were talking about selling drugs this is what got me started on this uh there, there were in my classes there are a bunch of kids you know they're 16 years old 15 years old uh 17 year old some of the older ones and uh, also the graduation rates were ridiculous i mean it started with like three or four classrooms on your first grade of high school uh, which there was 10th grade and then uh you have two classrooms by the time you're in 11 and then there's just one classroom with like you know 20 students by the time you're so it's just shrinking shrinking as kids get older oh no <laughs> it was pretty bad well there's like kids teachers just wouldn't show up and you know and i'm thinking all oh, these teachers were probably like in their 20s and you know they were a mess themselves but yeah. they just wouldn't show up and i remember it was it was bad josh There's like kids like doing lines of coke on the desks and and you know <laughs> on on the teacher desks right and It's you know smoking weed in in the restroom and all that it was pretty bad in the evening and I remember thinking at that point my mom and I weren't doing too well financially Uh, my stepdad was not quite in the picture yet Um, and it was my my tiny brother and I so my tiny brother's four so my mom was working full-time and I was I and I was thinking man like this is not too hard. I could probably go talk to so-and-so and tell him, Hey, I'm interested in, in selling weed, uh, you know, cause they'll, they'll give you the, the little joints already all rolled up and you just sell them to kids. And, <laughs> and, and uh, I had a friend who was started doing that and I don't know what he did, but he got beat up really bad cause he did some, some, wrong transaction or something or he stole the money or he smoked the weed one thing or another i never smoked weed or did any drugs which you know thank god he protected me from so many things you don't even know but but yeah there was a it definitely crossed my mind you know there was a small period it was like six six months or something like that maybe a year that i was there and then soon after that we moved to the u.s um i did was able i was able to change the morning classes but I was only there for a couple of months before we moved to the U.S. But yeah, I didn't sell drugs either, so I'm glad it okay. didn't happen. All right.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So I mean, maybe it would have been a good start to, to, to as uh, get my hands wet with the entrepreneurship. I don't know.
1: Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> there's... That's a long and winding road that would probably exhaust the rest of the hour. Uh, So we should (laughs) should leave that aside.
2: (laughs) Sure.
0: (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Wild times.
1: Wild times. That,
0: That was probably about as bad as it got for me. You know, like I grew up, there were like gangs here and there, but I, I was always, you know, by the grace of God, protected by a lot of of a lot of stuff, they didn't have to experience a lot of the stuff that some of my friends had to experience I mean the usual stuff you know a yeah. family member here and there, but nothing nothing crazy.
2: no, that's good,
0: yeah, but now I'm in the best country in the world. you like it I do I like it here
1: I think there are obviously some problems, but
2: of course yeah uh i mean there's a lot of a lot
1: of god's grace here too
0: yeah yeah it's a it's possible to to make some back bad decisions here too
2: (laughs) that's for Uh sure that's for sure
0: yeah yeah um so you were, were talking about clients earlier and and uh you know, getting them to say no and how that could be a good thing. You know, that could be a good uh, strategy. Can, can mm-hmm. you, can you elaborate a little uh, bit more on that? I've, I've heard about some of that recently, you know, like it's really, it gives you as, as a person doing business, that's your power. I mean, the ability to say no, like, no, I don't yes. want, yeah.
1: Well, so, I mean, I, Summarized it and made it sound really cool <laughs> um, however, the key to getting to that point where saying no has is a useful um, tactic in the in the negotiating process is mm. building the value and creating a situation where mm. the prospect does not. They they want to hire you because of what, because of the value that they think.
2: Mm-hmm. You can bring.
1: And yeah. uh, in our business, there are, of course, other attorneys who do perform the same functions that we
2: mm-hmm.
1: do. Um, we also have non-attorney tax agents who are a registered profession in Texas. Yeah. And so there, we're also competing with those folks as well and so generally speaking when a prospect is considering using us they are already on board with you know the work we do and Mm -hmm. the way we do it and things like that they see the value Uh, they see the value they just there's a question of how much value i mean what does that value bring in terms of a dollar amount because there are there are Absolutely people who will do the same things that we do and do them for half price um, right. Right. and we you know if if we cannot look our client or that prospect in the eye and say, "Yes, you will ha- pay half price, but you will get less than half the results, mm-hmm. then they probably should go use that person mm-hmm. right. Um, And if we have been successful in convincing them that what we are going to provide is more than the additional fee that they're going to pay us, Mm -hmm. then it's just a matter of working out the details and sending them an engagement agreement and moving forward. Uh, But once you've built that value in the prospect's mind, they do not want, you to say no right now when you say no and they say okay yeah it sounds like this is not a good fit but i appreciate it have a good day well then you didn't do a good job of building that value or send them out (laughs) uh, yeah or it's it's also very possible that they are with someone who's providing very good value so you know you you can't Mm -hmm. control all of that but um you can you can certainly control the quality of the work mm-hmm. that you're doing and you, you can control the messaging in that conversation. So, right. Yeah. Um, you know, that goes to a very something that a lot of people don't understand, which is you can do fantastic work, but if your client doesn't know it because you haven't told them, then it doesn't matter how good the work is. Yeah. Um, and that can be a problem as well. That's, that's you know, good results are one thing. Good service is another thing. The goal is yeah. to have both. And yes. that service component, you, you, you can be doing the best work in the world, but if your client doesn't know it, then they're going to be at the very least questioning whether they really need your services when they pay your, what pay your invoice. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, at worst, they're looking at the invoice and thinking about whether they need to talk to other, other providers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That
0: the value conversation is a very interesting one. um, Because I, you know, I have very, little I mean close to no experience running my own business and I'm I'm trying to you know build uh a firm effectively of uh you know being a composer um hopefully being specifically working on the video game music industry uh mm-hmm. since it is a, it is definitely a growing market but it, it is a very challenging world to navigate um because you're working with a lot of people that are creatives and that don't at, at the low level of of the, the client pool, they're creatives that don't know anything about business. And they they have they don't understand the value of the work that you do. So I've been trying to understand a lot of this, what this value conversation is, so that I can position myself to work with the higher level clients that actually understand business that are actually are willing to discuss, you know, levels of engagement, are (laughs) are, are willing to discuss, uh, you know, the value of my work versus the value of other firms or other composers or whatever they're thinking of doing. And uh, yeah, it's been a lot of learning. Really, uh, over the past year, I really started having a bit of a, a paradigm shift in my and the way that I see uh, money, uh, earning money, uh, value, things like that. And that's, you know, a lot of it is just been watching YouTube videos and reading some books and things like that. Um, how would you say that you've learned a lot of the stuff that you know about business? Uh, is it mostly experience or podcasts or?
1: um uh... So a lot of experience I'm fortunate in that my partner had a business background. He, Hmm. I can't remember what his undergraduate degree was in. It was in finance. I don't know if it was in finance or general business or what, but it was some sort of business degree. Um, But beyond that, his family had owned small businesses throughout his whole life. Yeah. So he was very, well-versed in running a business. And uh, you know, t- to this day, he is much, of the two of us, he's the one who is much more focused on um, being very diligent with the bookkeeping,
2: mm-hmm.
1: being very creative with taking our, collecting our st- performance statistics and then presenting them in a way that is very useful to us when it comes time to make business decisions.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, for my part, aside from just learning through experience, um, you know, I, as a, as an independent musician, you have a little bit of a, a business component to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've spent time, you know, through reading less so podcasts, Um, Mm -hmm. I think, uh, no shade here, of course, podcasts are great. I love podcasts, (laughs) but a lot of, a lot of times you're not getting the best possible advice from a free resource. Sure. Um, That is not always true, Mm -hmm. but you, a lot of times it's been my experience that you have to sift through stuff that may not be that useful to find the real goal. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but I think. It's also true that a lot of those things that can lead to business success, those principles are not necessarily business principles. They're just life principles.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so I've done reading on that too.
0: Yeah. What would you say is one of those maybe life principles that is applicable to running a successful business?
1: Um. Have you read Stephen Covey's book, seven habits of highly effective people. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's a, it's a book that is, I think it's probably geared toward business people,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but it doesn't matter yeah. what you're doing, whether it's running a business, running a household, um, preparing mm-hmm. for a race or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, you can control what you can control. You can influence what you can influence. Yeah. You can be, you can have an awareness of stuff that you can't control but it might affect you um but you have to allocate your resources of which you have a finite amount right to those categories in the way that's going to be most beneficial to you yeah uh, and i mean for me i'm pretty disengaged with politics particularly national politics right not that i don't care what happens that's Mm -hmm. certainly not the case. Um, but whatever control I can exert over that. Yeah. Would be much that attention and effort would be much more impactful to my life, focusing on things that are closer to me. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a really big one. Um, another one is the, idea that whenever you take a job or undertake an engagement or start a new business, of course, you're hoping to get paid for it, right? (laughs) That's one of the (laughs) primary uh, forms of compensation that you have. However, you are compensated in other ways as well. And Mm -hmm. one of those is learning new things, experience one of their social engagement that you get. Um, there's other engagement that you get that's more business focused, networking, additional content, you know, those are all ways, all types of compensation that you get when you take a job. And, um, that's one of the nuggets that came out of the Kiyosaki books,
0: Robert Um, Kiyosaki, rich dad,
1: poor dad yeah that's a that. good
0: one. I read that one last year for the first time, and it that's yeah, good it, it kind of it i don't know if it blew my mind is the right phrase here but it it really did affect me because i i very much i mean for lack of just out of ignorance i think i i very much have the the poor dat mentality yeah. to to money to value to all those things I just didn't really understand. Um, you know, I think in some ways the idea is, you know, do you use time to get money or do you get money to get time? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, going back to the prospecting
2: Mm -hmm.
1: conversations that I was talking about, that's one of the most, uh, common things that we run up against is client. So we generally, we work on a contingent fee where we get paid a percentage of the tax, savings. and there are always questions about, well, can you put a cap on the contingent fee or well, things like that? And, you know, at some point you're, if you're capping yourself so low, then you really are limiting your upside to an hourly wage, right? You're not no. being compensated based on the value that you're bringing now i understand that you know when we're talking about a 250 million dollar office building okay <laughs> we have to, we have to be reasonable right yeah, yeah yeah um but there are people in our industry who will do things on like a $2500 cap and i'm just yeah i we, we might as well be working for a for small hours. hourly wage yeah. at that point and it's right. just that's one of those clients that we just say no it's, you you clearly don't see the value in what yeah. we're doing
0: yeah one and of so, the ideas that i came across this this past year as the idea of a value based pricing versus hourly based pr- pricing which is kind of the the default yeah um but uh yeah the idea of value based pricing which i think uh well there's a couple of people that talk about it one uh it's called Ron Baker, and he has a book called Value Pricing, or Implementing Value-Based Pricing, I think is what it's called. And then a smaller book oh. that I read by a guy called Blair Ann's called Win Without Pitching, that is more fundamentally a sales book, but using value-based pricing as your uh, grounding, I guess you can say. like mm-hmm. you know, when, So when you're having those sales conversations, you're just trying to figure out if the person could even benefit or needs what you what you have to offer sure you know? and sure. and if and if they can then you want to position yourself to be the best possible option yeah. so that you can command higher price but yeah the idea of value based pricing is very interesting because value and pricing is a, they're different things uh-huh. and, right because so the value is what the person the prospect client perceives and the pricing is what you set. And so they, they have to match to some degree yes, <laughs> for, for it to work.
1: Have you ever heard the saying that when someone sells a house and someone buys a house or a stock or a commercial piece of property or any kind of asset, they agree on price, but they disagree on the value? Mm. And the idea being that the seller thinks it's less valuable than the price upon which they've agreed to transact property. The buyer thinks it's worth more than the price. And so their interests or their opinions about the value lead them to act on it at a certain price.
0: Interesting. I've Mm -hmm. not heard that before.
1: Yeah. It's it's uh, yeah, it's very true. Yeah in the composing if you're composing for video games
2: mm-hmm.
1: have you is there a mechanism to be compensated purely on royalties
0: yeah there's uh, several ways in which you can approach the agreement you can do a, a pure uh royalties uh based agreement in, in which you would license the music to them you get to keep your copyrights mm-hmm. um and you can you know define the terms of the license however you want, but usually for a video game, you would want to grant them uh, uh, exclusive license, right? So that you don't hear this because you're branding basically their game right. with music. You don't want to.
1: <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't want that. Uh,
0: so, so you would do something like that. Give them an exclusive license and. But you get to keep the, the rights of the music. So if, if the game takes off, uh, you can get royalties from the game, but you could also get, um, you could sell the music on your own, uh, attached to the game's name um, and their branding. And, you know, all that just has to be sorted out beforehand. That's one way to do it. And that will probably be more working with a size to a small uh, indie game developer. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm the the big developers the big you know people that spend you know millions of dollars they have staff and all that you just still work for hire for those kinds of companies and they pay a good a good bit you know but it's you're they have every the rights for everything and all of that so that's usually how it's handled i know it's it changes you know from contract to contract sure but yeah
1: do you prefer to work with the first category or the second category
0: i like the first category better um i haven't been super attracted to working with with the big companies i for several reasons one of them being that i see that there's more creative freedom with the indie games um and also more of an opportunity to be seen as the expert of Mm -hmm. like i'm the one that knows the music stuff and you know (laughs) yeah yeah. So, but, yeah. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say no if, you know, one of uh, a major company wants to hire me. You know, like yeah. Bethesda or, or something like that. Nintendo. I'll
2: like need yeah. to learn Japanese. I heard, I heard of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they've been around since like 1876 or something like that. Oh really? Yeah. They, they used to make playing cards.
1: Okay. Yeah. Long time entertainment company
0: then. Yeah, playing cards and then they went into toys and eventually they landed on game consoles. Wow,
2: that's interesting.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating industry, the, the, the gaming industry. I, I really enjoy looking into it. Um, the famous composer from Nintendo, his name is Koji Kondo. And he's the one that wrote the the mario theme and oh yeah that you know it's so ubiquitous it's like beethoven's uh-huh. fifth symphony or something at this point
1: yeah <laughs> that's
0: right <laughs> that's <was> good <laughs> that's <was> really good <laughs> yeah he um so he wrote uh this music and he was very much inspired by like latin american music and jazz fusion and things like that. so if you hear some of the mario music you can hear a lot of, a lot of those like latin american vibes to it and stuff. okay. it's pretty interesting. that is yeah. interesting. yeah, yep, yep. yeah, i um that's the kind of uh like if when it comes to creative work, you definitely want to and if you want to be Perceive as an expert to some kind of degree. Like you want to focus on like a certain area, and <clears throat> I really enjoy that eight bit, sixteen bit, bit era, like late eighties, early nineties. And mm-hmm. you know that's kind of in vogue right now. You know, bringing out a lot of those retro aspects to new video games because you know now you play a triple A AAA title, and it almost just sounds and feels like you're watching a movie you know um it's not it's a it's a bit of i like playing a game and feeling like i'm playing a video game you know yeah with the music and everything
1: so i'm gonna expose my ignorance sure with regard to video games so Mm 8-bit that is original nintendo entertainment system it's what we had when we were kids. mario brothers up to mario 3 right then the Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis that era was 16 bit, right? Is that right? Mhm. So are the current systems also are they now 32 bit or
2: No,
0: 64-bit the current or? systems I think they they don't I don't know that they measure them like that anymore, honestly. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, okay. so after the Super Nintendo uh, they jump jump to 64. Which Fair. I don't know if you remember hearing about. The Nintendo 64 came out. Oh, I have late, heard of that one. Yeah. Late 90s, yeah, that's when that one came out. As your daughter says, the late 1900s. Um,
1: yeah, that was not very nice of her, but <laughs> it was not false. <laughs> <laughs> we should tell the listeners what they're talking about. You Wait.
0: should tell me the story. I've heard of it. So I was secondhand. So
1: some, somehow the idea of making having to make a call from school. Mm-hmm came up and i think the kids who go to school they're allowed to bring a cell phone but they're only allowed to use it the cell phone at school under certain circumstances or something sure like and i exclaimed well that's crazy when i was a kid we you would go to the pay phone in the oh. lobby of the school and that's that was the only way to make a call from school. So why do they even need to have cell phones at all? And she right. uh, very accurately stated, yeah, dad, that was back in the late 1900s though.
2: Yeah.
1: And she was not wrong, but it was a tough way of hearing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's painful, man. Yeah. That's yeah, all right. Yeah. It is. It's been, it's been a fun and also just kind of strange getting to see your children grow, you know, because when I met them, they were tiny. They're, oh, yeah. Yeah, they were super tiny. Um, yeah. Uh, um, Will was playing baseball.
1: So... I was probably five, six years old, something like that. Yeah, and now
0: seventeen. You know, my first interaction with with Allie, um, I I was walking up to them. She was on the bleachers, and there was one of them during this game. And she looks at me, it's like, I know how to say two in Spanish. Oh, and I look at her like, oh yeah. And she's like, yeah. And she's like, dos. <laughs> She was very <laughs> proud that she knew that. It was so funny. <laughs> and I've told her this like several times so I promised myself right. not to tell her this story anymore because I think it kind of embarrasses her.
1: Oh, that's funny. I I hadn't heard that story. Yeah. from her or from you. So, it yeah. must have been probably when she was going to kindergarten. Uh or not kindergarten, preschool.
0: Preschool yeah, um, pre-K or something.
1: They did some very very basic spanish i think
0: yeah she was very proud i think she knows a few few more numbers than that in spanish now
1: yeah oh yeah (laughs) did so did she know how to say one or just two
0: (laughs) i don't know i don't remember that's all (laughs) i remember it was so funny that would be kind
1: of that would be kind of weird to know two but not one
0: just just jump straight to two man forget about the one ah so do you feel comfortable talking about family stuff for a couple of minutes? Yeah. Yeah. We got it, We got it. No, no, I think we have 10 minutes left. Yeah. Something Let's like jump that. in on
2: it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, t- tell me, tell me a little bit about that and your experience. You know, I really, um, really admire you in a lot of ways, but I think the main way that I look up to you is, and just seeing you uh, lead your family, you know, maintain your, your marriage healthy um and just again just seeing the growth of 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 both your your kids has been super cool um as an as a spectator and as a family member
1: so well i don't i mean i appreciate that thank you very much the i think it would be uh really missing the boat yeah not to point out Kelly's contribution to that I mean I could probably say 50 50 on the marriage stuff maybe
2: yeah but uh, yeah
1: as far as the kids that's much more Kelly's achievement than yeah than mine um you know she had a full-time career teaching in a uh, a tutoring to teaching in a tutoring company, put that off. Um, transitioned to going after a diagnostician's certificate, yeah. which she did. She completed her master's in education and then uh, got a diagnostician's certificate, so she would she would administer the tests to be able to diagnose learning yeah. challenges, right? Yeah. And then started a company. Providing those tests on a private basis any I don't know if you're how much you've dealt with it, but anyone who is anywhere in the state of Texas, whether you go to a public school or not, you are allowed to go to your local public school and get testing without cost really um, yeah. however, there's a lot of good reasons. Not that not that good work doesn't get done there, I'm not saying that at all, um but there are people who want second opinions. There are people who sure. don't w- prefer not to wait. There are people who are looking for um, non uh, medicinal interventions um, which are that approach to dealing with these types of problems varies quite a bit from professional to professional. And anyway, all that to say, she mm-hmm. really put all of that on. Hold. I well, I was gonna say put that on hold, but I think probably has moved past that at this point now that we're 10 years down the road. Um whether she comes back to it or not, mm-hmm. she set that aside in order to uh, focus on raising the kids yeah as a full as a full time vocation. Right. And right. so what you see in Will and Alley is much more her achievement than ours. Yeah. Or, or than mine, excuse me. Um, so I thank you, but I want to make sure that the credit goes where it's due. Um but yeah she's done a fantastic job in Giving them, uh, you know, when they're small, there's you're building the foundation. Um, but it, I think it would be easy to build that foundation without also allowing for the creativity and curiosity. Yeah, and once you get to the point where you're beyond that foundation, if you don't have those things, school and learning. It is just going to be drudgery.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and she has really hit it out of the park with with them.
0: Um yeah. and your baseball analogies.
1: I do. <laughs> I I, t- I told you I love baseball. It's, <laughs> I in fact I was just thinking about it today that while I'm excited about NFL playoffs, love watching mm-hmm. the NFL playoffs, go Cowboys. Going to get it done tomorrow and roll mm. on from there. Um, right, yeah, I guess for context, if people are listening later, th- we're recording this the night before the Cowboys' first round game, so they're going to play the Bucks tomorrow and, and take down Tom Brady. Hopefully. Uh, I'm knocking on wood right now. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking about today. Man, it's less than three months until – baseball season i'm so excited yeah actually we're just like two and a half months now at this point mm. so anyway yes all baseball all the time
0: <laughs> all baseball all, all the time love baseball so that's your favorite sport
2: oh
1: yeah yeah, yeah. no doubt no doubt yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Yep. one of my favorite things you know we go to new mexico quite a bit and one right of- right my favorite things about going to New Mexico is that when we are in New Mexico, we are outside of the blackout zone for watching the Rangers. And so I can watch the Rangers, all the Rangers games on MLB TV uh, without the blackout restrictions. Cause we don't have cable. We haven't had cable for probably 15 years. And so that's why we go to so many games is because <laughs> it's it's well this is not literally true but it feels cheaper yeah. to go to the games yeah. <laughs> than to pay for pay 120 bucks for the cable package that yeah. would include the Rangers.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've had cable since 2000 and what? 9 thousand ten, 10 something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't miss
1: it except for the sports. Mm. Yeah, I um, bet.
0: Yeah, because it's it's not the same with like streaming stuff and all of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, sports. I don't mind this the streaming is fine. I d- it's just that there's not a good way to get it. I mean, you yeah. can't if you if you live in Texas and you want to watch the Rangers, yeah. the only way to get it is to get some cable package that includes ballet sports on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's really sad because I think there's a whole generation of people for whom baseball is just irrelevant.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I never grew up watching sports. I just it was never my thing. I loved playing soccer as a kid. And culturally, soccer was huge. Like, yeah. people would line up and, you know, I, I was watching the games and that was just never, never something that appealed to me. Um. I had to have a team that i you know i like but just for you know in case some other kid asked me i could just tell him so he will stop asking me but
1: well, maybe maybe <laughs> you were not that interested in soccer because you are a true american
0: maybe so <laughs>
1: that's hilarious yeah yeah oh no, that's like my not, soul that's becoming less and less true
0: yeah i was talking to some friends you know i think one of the reasons that uh soccer is probably not so popular here is because it's not very conducive for for apps, commercials. It's just hmm. two blocks of 45 minutes. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and you have a yeah, so. break in the middle.
1: But they don't maybe stop.
0: So. There's no, no pauses.
1: Do they not have so I, I am going mm-hmm. to again expose that I don't watch much soccer. <laughs> I mean, mm, I, I watch a handful okay. of the World Cup games. Mm-hmm. The one I did watch one um, big MLS game a couple of years ago between the two LA teams, mm. and they I think they were playing to see which one was going to get to the championship or something,
2: right. and it was
1: great. I mean, it it was very surprising to me. And I've ha- I have a, my best friend has a huge interest in following soccer, mm. and he. I mean, with the World Cup, obviously there's the national pride and stuff that goes along with it. But outside of that, the soccer yes. is much better. Watching the club leagues, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know what if you call them club leagues or, but like Premier that League works. and yeah. yeah. And I I could not. So he had told me this, and I'd heard that from other folks as well. And so I watched that LA game and I could not believe how entertaining it was. Yeah. It was fantastic.
0: Yeah. It's fun. Uh, I, I I watched some of the world cup games too. And I did watch a few games and growing up, but I just can never get into it. Not to the degree that my friends were into it, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> That's why we're talking about baseball. Right. <laughs> it's so funny when it comes to sports and sports analogies, like I've gone to, we used to go to this church uh, in Austin called the Well, and our pastor he loved making sports analogies, especially football and, and sometimes basketball. And I just never got them. Oh, <laughs> no. no, I just because I don't know anything about it. Although I recently was talking to a friend, and he was explaining to me a little bit more about how football works, and you okay. know how maybe the the analogy was about the church and the different parts of the church, of the body. And, you know, Christ is the head and, you know, you're the arm, you're the leg, you know, maybe there's a similar, you know, uh, uh, comparison there to how a a football team works, you know, because you have all the different components, you know, everybody plays a role and you all move together as a team kind of thing. But yeah, I don't know. I'm way beyond my, my, my realm of knowledge there.
1: (laughs) So you did not go to the football games when you were a student at Texas?
0: I've never been to a football game, period. Really?
1: Yep. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> I, n- I didn't even go to my, uh, what is the big one you do, homecoming? I didn't even go to that one. Oh, man. Yeah. When I was at, at UT Austin, I never <laughs> went to a single game. I can't believe that I graduated from there. I didn't go to a single game. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's huge there. I mean, there's, when there's a game there i mean the whole school is roaring with with yeah. pride yeah. and you hear it's it good. i mean it's it's great it's it's fun i i'm sure there i'm missing out on, on something great i just never pre- <laughs> decided to wow. to get into it well
1: you have put your effort into more useful things
0: eh, maybe so i don't know we'll,
1: we'll go with that that's we'll go positive. with that i like
0: that i like that so I guess to to bring close to a closure, um, you were saying something about you know not caring about politics too much and not spending much time thinking about that, and you're more more concerned with you know what's actually happening around you um, rather than especially you were talking about national politics being you know sure. there's only so the for you to be able to exert some kind of influence on that it would just take so much of you. <laughs> yes um, so you know the way that i think of it is that I, I think i agree you know that whatever structure we have locally is is best to work from there and then do influence that kind of world around you rather than try to go to the top down you know you go bottom up uh-huh. um and i i think I guess the question would be with respect to the church and, and your faith and uh with your family, you know, uh, you were saying that very humbly, saying, you know, it's all Kelly, though I'm sure you played a role in there. <laughs>
1: uh, uh I mean yeah, I'm I I of course it doesn't happen without any input from me, of course, sure. but that's not that's certainly not my achievement.
0: Right. So how, what role do you feel like, you know, I know you guys have really get gotten the kids plugged in to the church. And, and I know that that's a very important part of your life and, and Kelly's life. And, you know, during COVID, I think we did church together like once or twice. And that was fun. What a role do you feel like that walk with, you know, uh, as a Christian and and as a person that has the the body of believers around him and your family, uh, how do you feel like all of that has affected you and impact your your family dynamic?
1: How how what has impacted our family dynamic?
0: The just being part of the the, the body of believers and how, how do you think the church has helped? form you and your family i guess is another way of saying that
1: well so a couple of comments as a as a a, an opening comment i i think that being whether you're a member of a local church or not right
2: Mm -hmm.
1: but it is very unnatural for a christian to exist apart from other members of the body. Right. And so meeting meeting regularly and meeting in order to hear God's word preached mm-hmm. is a huge yeah. um
2: uh, that's
1: that's essential one of the essential things for, for being a Christian, being a believer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as to what that does, it, it's a pretty common thing to hear. Either you associate with people who you are like, or you mm-hmm. end up being like the people with whom you associate. Mm-hmm. Or we've all heard that statement that right, you're right, the yeah. average of your five closest friends or st- something like that
0: something to that and, point, yeah
1: yeah and so if you aspire to to that then that's who you need to be associated with yeah um so i don't it would be very difficult for me to see you know a- absent some good and real reasons you know geographic isolation physical limitations that don't allow you to get to church but and i'm sure there's others that i'm not thinking of um but for 95 percent of people it's hard for me to understand how you can live a christian life without being in constant fellowship with other believers yeah um and so does
2: that answer your question
0: yeah i think for the most part, I think part of where the question was was a uh, directed was a uh, you know as the as in which way that body that church you know knowing like you said that there's it doesn't make any sense to to say you know I'm a believer and not be with other believers you know you kind of yeah. kind of is part and parcel of what it is to be a Christian is to be with other Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm sure you uh, have uh, affected their lives of, uh, you know, the question is how has the church influenced you personally and maybe your family dynamic, I guess.
1: Well, I think probably the biggest thing is Mm -hmm. the realization that it is Christ is our only hope.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And if that is the only thing we get out of this life, yeah. we end up bankrupt, cold, and die in the gutter.
2: Right, right. Then what we have coming is...
1: That's okay. I mean, that's yeah. if that's ultimately all there is for us here, then that's all there is. Right. And there's lots of... Uh, there have been lots of Christians who have suffered in ways that hope we hope we don't have to. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But if we're called upon to do that, then yeah,
0: I guess. Yeah. I guess the spirit of the question was just in light of, you know, Katie and I are hoping to uh, start a family, you know, as Uh soon as this coming year. Yeah. Um, And, and we want to be, in Texas for at least the early period of of our you know uh for children's lives yeah and we will like to have both sets of grandparents nearby uh and, and and all of that and uh another big component to it is and and this is all about creating certain structures to allow for their growth and to be surrounded by people that we wish for them to emulate i guess oh yeah in some ways and so the, the the church, finding a good church body is something that we're definitely, you know, you know, and good, you know, whatever that means, you know, it's not like we're sure. going to be perfect, but, you know, just someone who's seriously pursuing, you know, that faith that you were describing earlier and that hope Um, and just, we want that for our kids. We really do.
1: Well, to that end, mm-hmm. um, finding a a church where the word being preached
2: yeah.
1: accurately and consistently yeah. is probably the biggest thing. You're saying it has to be a, a Presbyterian churches.
0: church. Is that what you're saying? What? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, so you, you're saying it has to be a Presbyterian Church of America? <laughs> no, I'm not saying
1: that. Um, you know, I, there are. I don't know that any denomination any of the mainline denominations have mm-hmm. everything 100 right right yeah and every, every every church is going to be a compromise in some way and if you find the perfect church you should not join it because you will ruin it and
0: then then you will be the one you yeah.
1: will be the you will be the one that messes i it
0: heard up. that quote yeah. earlier and yeah. it's like if there's something like I think it's like something Dave Ramsey says of all people. I think he says something like if there's always going to be some crazy person, you know, in your life. And if there's no one, chances are that it's you.
1: Oh yeah. That's a (laughs) a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the, the quote about the perfect church, that wasn't mine. I don't know where I heard it, but Uh, when I heard it, it, it made sense. And there's, I mean, there's always going to, there will always be, certain things that you take issue with and yeah. a church that is committed to meeting regularly and yeah.
2: uh
1: preaching from the word and, yeah. and and believing that Christ's work on the cross really was our our only hope right yeah um and i, I mean those consistency in those things is generally going to be is just going to be uh create a situation where all the other things yeah. are tolerable. Yeah.
2: If, yeah was, if not
1: the perfect thing.
0: It was it was cool, you know, like the church that Katie's parents go to, Birdville, is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but you know it's so wonderful whenever we go there and they recognize us, uh, recognize yeah. us and they And I can see some of the people that deeply influenced Katie as a child or as a teenager and things like that. So Mm -hmm. it's, I'm like, you know, those people, you know, I I want those kinds of people in the lives of of our kids whenever we have them, you know. I'm sure Will and Ali have people, you know, from your church that, you know, have been important in their growth and their development.
1: Yeah, they definitely have. Yeah. There's there's a point where they start to question whether the things that you say are true just because they're you're the parent and sure they're looking for guidance beyond just I'm your father that's why right
0: right and send them to Uncle Carlos I'll talk to them yeah. (laughs) <laughs> You'll
1: tell them how it, how it is.
0: <laughs> There's this one, uh, time one time before Katie and I were married. I don't think we were engaged yet. When they were tiny, we were driving out from your house. And and uh, Will looks at me and he says, bye, Uncle Carlos. And and then uh, I just smiled because I was like, well, I'm not your uncle, technically. Uh, Katie and I are just dating. But then I just remember Kelly being like, you know kind of telling him something i don't know what it was so it was like maybe it's like well maybe not the uncle yet or something
1: you know but (laughs) you're putting pressure on to pop the question (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's probably
0: what it was (laughs) yeah man well thank you for making the time josh i really enjoyed it
1: oh yeah i it, it was great like i said it's uh probably a sad statement that we haven't just sat around and I know chewed the fat for an hour but
0: yeah you know who I want to sit sit down and chat with uh Keith oh yeah yeah I've never had that opportunity to do that with him either um and I've had I have he's uh,
1: great you'll love it
0: yeah I bet I bet
1: yeah
0: and but he has some you know he just got a
1: he just got a sweet new car have you seen it
0: oh no no, I've not seen it.
1: What it, is it? Oh, my goodness. It's a early to mid-80s black Monte Carlo with T-tops. Okay. It is awesome.
0: Yeah, that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's super cool.
2: That's cool. I can't wait to see it. Yeah.
1: I can't what wait f- to cruise in it.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Man. So. Well, again, thank you so much. It really means a lot that you know. I'm sure you're you're very busy. You guys are doing your travels and working, and I'm sure there's some game happening that you could be watching. And,
1: um, oh, yeah, the the Giants and the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. But that's I'm okay. Sure. <laughs> it's just, I was happy to happy to do this.
0: More yeah. Well, I really, really appreciate it. And, you know, we'll put it out there and. Hopefully, some people might benefit from hearing some of the things you have to say.
1: All right. Well, if if it was just a conversation between you and me, then it was good enough. I enjoyed it a lot. So thanks a lot.